Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, where we are on a mission to teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. I'm excited for today's episode. It's another uh, special where we're covering the tales from the territory. So I'm here with John DeCani. And if you're watching on video, you have the privilege of knowing I'm wearing a Bret Hart shirt and I've got the Bret Hart shades on. And we are talking about Stampede Wrestling, John. Yes, indeed. I am so glad that those glasses didn't get washed into your background there. <laughs> I know. They look sweet. <laughs> Good they morning. are impossible to see. <laughs> so I'm going to lift them up on my forehead and uh, and we'll do the show that way. But um, So, yeah, you can't talk about Calgary or Stampede, I guess, without talking about Bret Hart. But I will say... That whole show they did last night, they managed to do that pretty yeah. much entirely. Like there were no like, you know, it was Bret Hart like breaking into the system or the uh, the business a little bit in terms of like smartening up and like going to the shows as a kid, but there were no like Bret Hart in Stampede stories, despite him being one of the panelists. Yeah, yeah, it was all about you know him as a kid, like you said, learning the business, being around the business, and you know. <laughs> at the start not really understanding the business but uh yeah, yeah he, he was there to he was he was more there just like everyone else which i guess was a theme running through the episode to tell stew stories and to do yes. his impersonation yeah oh my god and it wasn't just brett those guys uh two or I, I don't know if they all did stew impressions but every stew impression i heard was like spot on <laughs> I've never tried. I'm going to have to try one later. Maybe it's just a really easy one to do. But um, The panelists were Dr. D, David Schultz, Abdul the Butcher, and No Class, Bobby Bass. Um, and they did talk about a little bit about, you know, each of them in Calgary and stuff. And, um, Do you know, David Schultz is obviously, he is, I shouldn't say obviously, because, you know what, there's like a generation of people that probably don't know who he is. Um, but he's the guy who slapped John Stossel for calling wrestling fake. And there's a whole episode of dark side on the dark side of the ring on him. Uh, but he spent three years in Calgary and there was one little nugget in there that I caught. He drove himself everywhere. Yes. And they taught when they were talking about traveling to shows in that like negative 50 degree Alberta winters. Uh, where you couldn't see, and he would just take his hands off the steering wheel, steering wheel and basically let you know God take over, I guess. <laughs> Jesus, but uh, yeah, that's his. That so that was his story. And then uh, Abdullah the Butcher, uh, he spent a lot of time there. Some of the some of the hottest angles, I guess, were Abdullah the Butcher versus Stu Hart as they got into. And then no class, Bobby Bass is not somebody that I knew. No, no, yeah, even even Brett busted his balls for you know kind of being an, an unknown but you know, yes i'm sure they loved him in calgary <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah the, the episode closed with you know all these great people came out of stampede you know you know stampede really got a lot of people started like you know including myself and 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 david schultz he turned you know and you and 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 abdul the and he goes and bob you did your best <laughs> so, so the promotion operated for 50 years in Western Canada. The intro, uh, they it was funny. They talked about all this talent that got their start there in Stampede. There was pictures of Bret Hart, pictures of Owen, pictures of Davey, pictures of Dynamite, and others. But 
really, besides the like very end when Brett made that comment and this part of the intro, they didn't tell they didn't really talk about guys getting their start there so much. No, exactly, because I'm sure there was a, a laundry list of people they could have added. And just, you know, it was all, I guess, as they said later in the show, you went to Calgary, you worked in Calgary, even if you just like, uh, there was one portion where they said Andre for a long time there came in just for stampede week. And, you know, guys loved going there and you left there with so many stories. Yes. Yeah. So basically they filled the hour or, you know, the 40 plus minutes that would actually air between the commercials with just stories. Yep. You don't have to get into the uh, you know the, the resume of Calgary, which is extensive. The other thing is they they talked about the bear, the wrestling bear in the intro, and then didn't tell any stories about that. It's, yeah. it's kind of like they teased you up for like a sequel or something. That yeah. <laughs> I was looking forward to Brett talking about the bear, looking his feet clean, and you know all the stuff that we read in the book about the bear. We didn't That's get right. to the bear. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so. There was a little bit of overlap. If you've read Bret Hart's autobiography, Hitman, there was a little bit of overlap. I think the most notable overlap was the Andre the Giant story. I remember that crystal clear from the book. Absolutely. Um, is that was there other ones that you thought that you recalled coming right out of the book? Um, <clears throat> what else came right out of the book? Oh, the the one about the one about wrestling camp. Um. About uh, I guess the coaches, Stu, yeah, the, the the Stu taking Brett to a wrestling camp when he was I guess I don't know maybe thirteen fourteen, and uh, the coaches who were real wrestling guys mm -hmm. uh, started you know, they obviously recognized Stu because he was an icon in that area and started busting his chops about you know I guess they didn't come out and say fake but Stu yeah. caught on pretty quickly that they were kind of busting his balls without getting right in their in his face and saying it and Stu, I, I guess was a touchy feely kind of guy he was kind of you know shaking one guy's hand while patting the other one on the back and brett tells a hilarious story how Stu starts working his way out of his shoes as he's you know kind yeah. of <laughs> buddying up to these guys who he knows are busting his balls and within seconds he's got one of these real wrestling coaches on the ground he's stretching them he's making him scream and he's talking to the kids like okay and yeah. now what to do here and you know as he's making this coach scream <laughs> for mercy and yeah, yeah that, that was that was one of the best ones of the night let me show you this one move yeah <laughs> that's yeah. kind of what the let me show you yeah, <laughs> over and over that was like Stu hart's like pickup line <laughs> let me show you this one move i mean <laughs> got, next thing you know the guy's on the ground uh screaming or whatever <laughs> but yeah and there were there were dungeon stories of course uh we probably should get into the andre the giant story because it, it was a pretty good one uh, I think it was maybe the highlight uh, for me, even though I had heard the story, I think it's the highlight of the show is that uh, Andre would come in and he apparently he loved coming to Calgary. Uh, and so there was one incident where he came and he had a, uh, the next day he had a booking in Montana. So he had an eight o'clock flight out that got canceled. And so Stu sent uh, Brett and his brother Smith to pick up Andre and hopefully get him to the airport for the 12 o'clock flight that would get him into Montana in time for the show. Well, they arrived at the hotel to pick up Andre and they only had about 30 minutes before the flight took off. And so Andre's like, we're not going to make the flight. And Smith's like, oh, we're going to try. So 
Andre gets in, Brett's in the passenger side, Smith's driving, and he breaks every law, every vehicle law that you can think of, drives, you know, over uh, the, you know, the middle of the road and all that kind of stuff. And the cops are trailing him and everything. As soon as they get to the airport, Smith and Andre jump out. They go to the airport to see if they can get Andre on this flight. Brett stays in the car as the cops roll up and uh, with their guns drawn, tell Brett to get out of the car. And so Brett you know, tells the whole, tells the whole story about Andre trying to get to Montana embellishes a little bit, says his brother Smith has a, you know, a lot going, a lot uh, at stake in the show. And uh, outcome Andre and Smith from the airport, Andre had, of course, did not make the flight. <laughs> and, uh, and so Smith just holds his hands out to be cuffed. And the cops actually say, you know, if I catch you so much as jaywalking, you're, 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 you know, you're going behind bars. But they let him off with a warning. So that, but the, I guess the, the rub to that is Andre never went back to Calgary and he never spoke to Stu Hart again. Yeah. And, and Stu really, I guess, never got the story. You know, like every once in a while, Stu would say, you know, if they had any, you know, reason to be in the same room as Andre or whatever, he wouldn't even look at them. And Stu would often ask, like, what the hell's his problem? You know, like yeah. what's going on there? And, and it, the weird thing was that Brett, <clears throat> Brett kind of said like, yeah, he, he never spoke to me either. But then kind of a couple minutes later went like, eh, eventually he warmed back up to me once I was in the WWE and, you know, we had to be in the same locker room, but it was never the same. Yeah. But yeah, he never spoke to, to Stu again, never came back to Calgary for another uh, stampede week of shows. And, uh, and meanwhile, Smith, the eldest son, you know, ruined a relationship and uh, <laughs> never never paid for it from Stu because Stu never got the full story. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I was wondering your take on this. You know, Brett talked about Abdul the Butcher with such fondness in his book. And then we see what appeared to be his importance to the territory here. Brett even said that when Abdullah came into town, like the, you know, they were hot. They sold a lot of tickets, uh, filled up the filled up the arenas and stuff. You know, I never watched a lot of Abdullah the Butcher. I know I was, you know, he was around, but you know, and a deathmatch staple. But I never really much had a lot of exposure to him uh, in in the eighties or anything. I wondered about you. Yes, yeah, likewise. As I I tend to say every week on these uh, territories episodes, I, you know, I'm, I'm a new New Jersey kid. All yep. you really got around here was WWF stuff, and you know he he you know once it stopped being the territories, I don't I don't think Abdullah spent any time. So yeah, uh, probably probably the only Abdullah match I ever saw live <laughs> was on. Uh, he got electrocuted. <laughs> not not even that. I don't think I was even watching WCW at that time. I'm talking about uh, what was it? Legends of Wrestling, the the, you know, the oh. worst pay per view of all time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that, that was probably the only match of his I ever saw live. And obviously I I've, I've seen, you know, you know, dozens of clips of him sure. bleeding profusely, but you know, never actually watched the man wrestle. But he looked great on the on camera. I mean, <laughs> like I don't understand that, but he looked Did amazing. I just read Wikipedia? Well, yeah, assuming that this was taped in the last year, probably even less. Yeah. He's 80 years old. Well, he's got some new chompers, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but, but just looking at the man's face, you know, if you take out the fact that, you know, he's got the Grand Canyon running through his sure. scalp, 
just yeah. looking at his face, I I could not believe because I'm I'm thinking to myself like Brett tells these stories of being very young when Abby, as he lovingly refers to him, uh, you know, came into the territory, and I'm like I'm looking at Brett and I'm like, yeah, Brett's in yeah, and I'm trying to do the math, so I just went to Wikipedia and he's 81 years old, Abdullah the Butcher. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, he looks all right. Really, I don't think he. Um, I think they showed clips of everybody shaking hands like very briefly, and I, I think he was sitting down for that. So I don't know how well he gets around and stuff, but, um, yeah, good. You know, that makes sense because the main feud that Brett talked about with Abdullah was Stu Hart, so it had to be a long, long time ago. So, yep. Uh, all of these episodes, you know, and, and I guess we sh you should kind of know it from the way they set the whole show up. The Rock says in the intro, it's the golden age of professional wrestling when the wrestling business was protected and the passionate fans still believed. The kayfabe piece runs through all of these shows and they talk about kayfabe in Calgary. And I was, I was, it was surprising to me. David Schultz told a story very similar to a Jim, uh, Jerry Lawler story. From the first episode yes where he goes out to the parking lot and there's somebody standing with a great big boulder ready to throw it through his windshield <laughs> he handled it a little different than jerry though <laughs> he sure did uh where jerry was like got in his car and was ready to run the guy over only to find out his tires had been slashed uh david schultz said don't throw that rock at anybody and then within seconds smacked the guy across the face with a hockey stick and blood went everywhere and then turned around and did the same to his brother who was standing there. Uh, not the same. He, not, he took that guy out with the shins yes. and lovingly says, Oh, I still have that hockey stick. It makes me great. <laughs> Schultz obviously has a great sense of humor. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Even his, the title of his book, don't call me fake, you know, right. based on the whole Stossel incident. So he, uh, good, good sense of humor on Dr. D. Yes, absolutely. And then Abdullah the Butcher, who, you know, he's the, what is the wild man from Sudan? Madman from Sudan. Madman, yeah, madman from Sudan. Uh, they, tell, they tell us in here, he's actually from Windsor, Ontario, which is right over the border just, from Detroit. Just north of Detroit. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I've been in Windsor before. I did the, I did the uh, half marathon that starts in Detroit, crosses the bridge, and then comes back under the tunnel. Uh, so you go over and that's where you are is Windsor. So I know where he's from. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but he, you know, to keep kayfabe like they did in this, this era, Abdul, the butcher did not speak a lick of English. So he would, he would go to restaurants and he would point and he would, you know, mutter things. And then finally some, uh, waitress kind of leans down and says, Abdul, I, I won't tell anyone, but I know you can talk. <laughs> <laughs> he'd speak gibberish he'd pick up you know one word here or there that he knew was be it sudanese or one of the other you know dialects in the area and he would just throw it in with a bunch of garbage but you know it, it's gotta keep the gimmick strong yeah so as you watch these tales for the territories you can you can almost count on like two or three things they're going to talk about they're going to end the episode talking about what the legacy of the territory is and in the middle someplace, they're going to talk about a super hot angle. Uh, they're going to talk about jokes, ribs. And we had, some, we had like a classic in this one. 
and uh, and they're going to uh, super hot angle ribs, and they're going to talk about the kayfabe piece. Yes. So, uh, man, a Mabel party. You ever been to a Mabel party, John? <laughs> Thank God, no. <laughs> uh, this was this was a, a new one to me. I had never heard anything like this, but um, it, it feels like something that could get done in Hollywood, but not in real life. But geez. So an elaborate joke that many wrestlers had to go in on, I guess, was that, and they talked about doing it to Antonio the Great, who's this big, over six foot, big, big man, maybe 500 pounds or something like that. And uh, they tell him that there's this super hot woman who really into the wrestlers, loves big men. And, uh, but also her husband goes out of town quite often. So they're going to go out there to her house for a party. And so they all go out and, uh, and they're there and, and the woman gets, starts getting a little frisky, you know, she's flirtatious and Brett says, you know, maybe she's like, you know, starts to maybe remove her blouse or something. And all of a sudden the husband kicks the door in, he's got a shotgun and starts firing off, uh, rounds into the chests of some of these wrestlers who all of a sudden are bleeding because they're wrestlers and they, you know, they got, you know, blood packs or whatever. Uh, and of course the husband is firing blanks uh, at them, but Antonio's not in on it. So he's running out the front door and he goes off and into the Canadian wilderness, I guess, because it's out in the country. And, you know, some period of time later, he returns with uh, the Royal Canadian police and uh, they go, they go in to check things out. And I guess they think it's funny too. sit down and have a couple of drinks, but that's what a Mabel party is. So poor Antonio, the great, <laughs> He didn't get any action from the the lady, and boy, he had a stressful night. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they said in this one, you know, I guess this was a, a rib that was pulled on many people, but in the case of Antonio, it, it kind of messed him up. He he, got, he had a little PTSD from the whole situation, uh, especially because, like you said, the the the, the husband who returns home <laughs> fires a shotgun. With blanks, of course, uh, but you know, you you see one of your buddies get, you think murdered in front of you, and you you go screaming out of the house, and uh, you know the victim runs for his life, and the RCMPs bring him back. Everyone is in on the joke, but him, and yeah, the, the, apparently Antonio was shook over the whole deal. That is a joke. I mean, oof, it puts that whole. Doc, Dr. D talked about putting laxatives and brownies or uh, cookies. Like it doesn't compare. No, <laughs> it's not close. Although, <laughs> as sophomoric and as many times as you heard that, whether it be legend or not, the Dr. D story was my favorite of the show for this reason. You know, they say timing is everything in comedy. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the story goes that Dr. D got uh, uh, dosed with LSD because he left his coffee unattended, which is something you just didn't do in the locker rooms. To get back at the guys, he had his wife bake cookies. He crushed up some X-Lax, put them in them. Everybody got a little sick. The next time, he got liquid horse laxative, brought yeah. another batch of cookies, and everyone got violently ill. And again, it's it's a it's a sophomore, it's a just a stupid story, and you know whatever. And Brett goes like, ah, yeah, how about that? You, you know, you, I just keep learning. You learn something new every day. And I, I was probably watching this at two o'clock in the morning. I burst out laughing because Doctor D kind of looks at him and goes like, ah, see, I, I kept you away from the bad food. You know, I'll bet you 
bet you didn't want a hot dog after that. Stone face, Brett goes, I've never eaten one again to this day. <laughs> Favorite moment of the whole episode. <laughs> I don't, and I don't know if that's BS or not, but <laughs> it is but funny. If it was, it was delivered perfectly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so the other thing they talk, I, you know, I mentioned the five or four or five things that you're going to get every one of these tales from territory episodes. The other one's the super hot angle. And the one that they talked about here was Archie the Stomper versus Bad News Allen was set to be a super white hot angle um, in kind of the waning days of the territory, really. Uh, to set things up, Archie Stomper was the, the villain in the territory for a long time. Um, I mean, it goes back to when Stu was wrestling. So um, Brett recalled when he was just a little boy, learned, you know, Archie Stomper would cut these promos where he wanted to pile drive uh, Helen Hart on the interstate and he would beat up the Hart kids all around the yard and and he wanted to kill uh, Stu Hart. And Brett kind of got smart to the business when he saw Archie the Stomper walk up to the front door and get his payoff from uh, Helen during a, what was a cordial exchange, I guess I would say. Um, that and Stu, and Stu Hart looking for his cast every time the milkman came around. That's how Brett got smartened up to the business. But Anyway, you have this longtime villain in the territory who they want to turn babyface at basically at the end of his career. And what they're going to do is they're going to team him up with Bad News Allen, who just uh, bad news maybe isn't the right phrase. Maybe he just was uh, bad. Um, bad man, yeah. yeah. So they're going to team up with Bad News Allen. And the whole the whole rub is the whole way it's going to happen is that bad news will turn on Archie effectively making Archie the baby face. And the way he's going to do that is he's going to hit a pile driver on Archie's son yes. on pile driver on the floor. So bad news says, Hey, should I ask Bruce? Should I, should I use my fork? Cause bad news had a reputation for pulling out a fork and stabbing his opponents in the forehead, which would get him suspended. Um, so Bruce is like, no, no, don't use your fork. The commission's out there, and they're looking for any reason possible to suspend any of us. So please don't do that. So uh, everything goes as planned. Bad news hits that pile driver, and then he uses the fork, of course, because it's bad news. And then he beats up a 90-year-old man on the way out, uh, like a, a fan, like legitimately beats him up. And uh, I guess this was the, the straw that broke the camel's back for Ed Whalen, the commentator. He's just like, I, I'm done. I'm quitting because this is just too violent. Bad news is beating up fans. So that doesn't go as planned. And then the next night in Edmonton, bad news beats up another fan, this time with a steel chair, uh, repeatedly. And that caused Stu Hart to lose his, light, his wrestling license in Edmonton, and it got bad news suspended. So the super white hot angle that they're supposed to have between Archie the Stomper and Bad News, well, it was effective in the fact that Archie, they got the two matches, basically. Um, Archie was turned babyface. They couldn't really get the get much of a feud because Bad News was suspended everywhere, and he killed two towns in two nights. The astonishing thing to me is, and it, it kind of goes beyond the episode, <clears throat> Seeing Bad News Allen in this light, I mean, so they they had already talked about the fact that you know he was he was trained by Inoki. He got most of his training in Japan. Came over here and kind of refused to lighten up from the stiff 
Japanese uh, style, and that pissed a lot of guys off. He goes out and does this stuff, continues to get himself legitimately suspended by the commission because this, you know, this wasn't part of kayfabe. The commission's, you know, they had some rule over this, and that's how they, you know, they lost Edmonton. Uh, Stu lost his license in Edmonton because of this. It's astonishing to me, for as brief as his time was, you know Vince talked to Stu. Of course, there's another story about Vince being the devil in this as well. Uh, You know Vince had communication with Stu. I'm stunned that Vince would bring this man into the company. Bad Bad News Allen, of course, being Bad News Brown. I, I can't believe he even made it to the WWF with a reputation like this. Like this Good guy point. was a problem. Yeah. And he was there for multiple years. I know yeah, brief, but at least more than two. I mean, because he was and Brett had to work with him. That's right. Brett had to work with him at four. Ages. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that and that's a crazy story too, because I mean Brett even credits bad news in that light for kind of killing the whole territory. Yes, killed the two towns. But Brett said the t- the territory never recovered. It was it was kind of in the waning days. Yeah, that was like December eighty three. Yeah, that he had the incident in I forget where the first city was, but the second one being in Edmonton, and mm. Stu sells to Vince in August of eighty four. Right, for two hundred grand or something like that, which uh, Vince never paid a dime of. So it and, and you know that's another interesting thing about this is that the Rock's Seven Bucks production is heavily involved, and that's how they got. Um, they were able to get, I think, some footage. They were able to get uh, Jerry Lawler. And I, I I presume Jeff Jarrett at the time was probably uh, vice president in WWE. He has since left. But um, it's uh, it's surprising how many uh, bad stories of Vince McMahon are making air. Because uh, when it talks about the legacy, like just before the legacy portion of each of these shows, they kind of talk about how the territory died. <laughs> it's like... Well, that that Vince McMahon. <laughs> when just, you think of AWA specifically, where Hogan no showed, and then because Vince paid him off, and then, um, and then this one where Vince, I guess, bought out the territory without ever really paying Stu. Yeah, yeah I guess Stu's basically Stu's payment was getting uh, Brett Owen, Neidhart, and uh, not Davy Boy, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, dynamite dynamite yeah getting them jobs basically was the only you know the only the only tangible thing that uh Stu got out of the deal because vince stiffed which is just stunning <laughs> yeah yeah it is how it's no very... one has ever physically you know i mean they, you're talking about now i mean at, at the top of the show they do say uh the Stu hart was a rare man of honor in a con man's world uh, which was uh, one of my favorite quotes of the show uh but in the other territories where he screwed people, I cannot believe that someone didn't at some point come for Vince physically. Yeah. The amount of dirty pool that he played with all these territories. And the, the fact that he essentially blew up and destroyed territorial wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. In a big way. Um, And I guess, I guess so at, at that point it's, we are kind of at the legacy portion. Um. Stu closed up everything, sold everything to Vince McMahon. Uh, the territory did reopen later because I think that this was like a handshake deal between Stu and Vince. 
Yeah. Um, it doesn't appear that there would be any contracts involved because Stu was a, they were able to reopen Stampede. Vince never had to pay anything. If there was a contract of any kind involved, you know, both would be on the hook for that. So, uh, but Brett said the legacy had more to do with the people that came out of it, uh, people that got their starts in Calgary. Uh, we saw, we saw the dynamite footage. We saw Jim Neihart, Brett Hart, Owen Hart, uh, Davey, uh, even Brian Pillman. We saw a brief, a very small, uh, small video with him in there. So Brett says it's really those people. And then during the territory days, like you said, it was people came into Calgary and they made a bunch of memories and then they would leave the territory and and talk about tell their stories and even ernie ladd who had never met Stu hart loved telling Stu hart stories and brett says when did you ever meet Stu?" and he's like oh, i never did just that's how good the stories were coming out of calgary so if you were in a wrestling locker room you heard Stu hart stories it didn't matter where you were actually in that locker room yeah they said uh in the intro the they said that the territory kind of mirrored the man Stu Hart they, what they said was it was respected a little rough around the edges and tough as hell <laughs> I thought that was a, a good way to put it next week John is Polynesian pro wrestling um now I didn't I don't know I couldn't really tell who all the people were but it looks like Kevin Sullivan will be back yeah Kevin Sullivan was definitely back and there were two other faces that I know I recognize but you know, I mean, even last night, uh, uh, Dr. D, Dave Schultz, uh, you know, I'm looking at him and I'm like, I know him. Why do I until, but until they put the car on, I'm like, ah, yeah, that's who it is. Like yeah. so many of these guys. So yeah, there's, there's two other guys at least that I saw in the preview that I know I'm going to know the names when they say them, but I just couldn't place them. But right. again, Kevin Sullivan yeah. is back. Yep. Same. They look very familiar. I just couldn't quite. <laughs> place the name to them so and that's an this will be an interesting one because they've uh seven bucks has done a lot with polynesian pro wrestling between the young rock series and everything so they've they've kind of like hit into a lot of that stuff already so i'll be interested to see what stories they pull out and um i and man i went looking at one point for polynesian pro wrestling to find footage and stuff like that and find just anything even written and we are it is, I mean, we really don't have a lot of records that I can tell from that territory. So I'll be really interested to hear, you know, some firsthand accounts. Sure. And the crazy thing is, you know, obviously Young Rock is based on, but not, you know, it's not, it's certainly not documentary footage. But the way that right. show makes it look, it, it, it feels like every name you know from the WWF came through there at one point. So, yeah. you know, if any of that is close to being true, there should be some excellent stories with names, you know. I feel like what I, I, I don't and I, I don't know because I haven't really, like, really analyzed this, but I feel like you've got about 30 years of stories that are being compressed into about three years of Young Rock. Yeah. You know, what I mean? <laughs> you know the whole the, you have the whole life of the territory that's like all going to happen during little Dewey's uh, childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but so. we'll get into that next week. That'll be a, a fun episode for us to uh, to dig into. So, John, anything else about Stampede before we go? Uh, no, just you know, it it was it was probably the first episode where, at you know, at the end of uh, all the episodes, I thought were good. Even the the you know the the one territory where eh, the stories were a little light. 
they they all still were very you know at the end of the the hour i was very satisfied last night i think was the first one that left me wanting more because yeah. we didn't really get you know the the people who i know who went through calgary we didn't get like you said they, you know they didn't talk a lot about brett's career it was a lot about brett as a kid so like i i i want stampede part two you know but well think of the names that i that i you know i mentioned brian pillman jim neidhart davy boy smith dynamite kid Yep. Those are the big names that everybody knows, and they're not with us. Exactly. So sad, but uh, but we got Brett. And uh, did I mention Owen? Owen, too. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. Obvious. Of course, Owen. We love Owen. But yeah, uh, you know, every every time we had that un unfortunate happenstance where we lost someone else, which I guess last was uh, with Jim, th there's that classic picture of the heart foundation of the wwf oh, yes. and they, they would they would great you know they would black and white one person out and when it got down to you know the last person in full color is brett you know it, every time i see that picture it just makes me want to wrap brett hart in bubble wrap <laughs> <laughs> yeah no kidding for sure all right. That said, uh, let's wrap it up for today. So if you'd like to continue the conversation with John or myself about the territories or about any of the daily topics that we put out on the Daily Wrestling News Show, feel free to join the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group. Uh, if you're in Facebook right now watching it, then you can just search for Daily Wrestling News Show or you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash wrestling news show. Find it there. Or you can follow me on Instagram at uh, the Ryan Joy. And I post something pertaining to our show every single day. So uh, with that, we will see everybody on the podcast tomorrow. See ya.